0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag.
2: Hefty,
3: Hefty, Hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm, you can
1: stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags.
0: You're tuned in to Homo Ground. Same ground, different sound. Happy New Year. My name is Maya McDonald. I'm your host today as we feature prolific songwriter and musical artist Sarah Jaffe. On February 3rd, she's joined in Dallas, Texas at the Meyerson by her band and members of the Dallas Symphony Orchestra to perform songs from her extensive back catalog, and she'll be on the road in March for several dates with Generationals. Sarah Jaffe's latest album, Smut, is a personal favorite of mine from 2019, and it was a pleasure to chat with her via phone back in December about growth. Evolution and what's next. On today's program, you'll hear selections from the album *Smut*. Right now, here's my conversation with Sarah Jaffe. You are in Texas right now. I am in Texas, yeah, for the holidays. I'm curious if you ever make it back to like your actual hometown and perform there these days.
1: Well, I live—I actually live in New York now, but I'm here in Texas all the time, and I have—I um, have been coming back quite frequently for one-offs and. Um, I'm originally from Dallas, but I do have some shows in Denton, Texas, um, in a couple of days, actually.
0: I actually wanted to ask you about a show that you have yeah. coming up in February with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. W- what is the story of that show? And I'm curious how you're arranging your songs for that.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it was just an opportunity that, um, was, uh, presented, um, in the last, I guess a couple of months ago now. And, um... Coincidentally, it's just been on a, like a localized uh, bucket list for a very long time. I've just always wanted to play with the Dallas New York, and and then as soon as I'm in New York, it happens. It's like, hey, it's I just want to sound like, oh my god, <laughs> amazing. Um, so um, the way that I'm kind of approaching it, it's I mean, without giving away too much, it's it's quite a lot. Like outside of my band members, just trying to get um cover a lot of ground musically, just ranging from like my very first record to the most current record. Obviously the scope of of vibe and style is drastically different from one record to the next. So um I actually think that the DSO members are really gonna help transition in between those records. Um so I'm compiling a very very lengthy set list, and then just kind of looking at that lengthy set list, and I guess prioritizing and seeing which songs work together and and whatnot. So, the short answer for that is I'm just making a very long set list.
0: <laughs> it seems like such a cool opportunity to be able to sort of have all your songs from such different eras live in the same space.
1: Oh, it's so cool, and it's also like. um it's been a really interesting um, kind of internal process for me just to like re-listen to songs that I just kind of shelved for so long. I haven't played in well over 10 years, um, some even more than that. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like a it's, it's a self-deprecating just as much as it is a self-love <laughs>
0: process. I watched an interview that you did probably like, I don't know, nine or ten years ago about Clementine in that you were talking a little bit about some frustrations about like how a song that was like so quick and easy was so popular. And, you know, sometimes you like can work on something forever and sometimes something takes like two seconds. Uh, and yeah. I, I could relate to that. Maybe not frustration, but just feeling you were describing. I'm curious if your uh, thoughts have evolved on that <laughs> issue at all.
1: Uh, it's weird how, uh, how much they have evolved and yet how much they, <laughs> little they have. Uh, I think that there's something to the flippancy of of any writer just kind of like thinking less and just kind of like, it's like the impulse. Um, It's the impulse that I like so much relish when I'm in the studio and I just immediately uh, tack myself onto a melody. And it's that same impulse that allowed me to write Clementine. So without it, like I couldn't really do what I'm doing. Um... So, even if I get frustrated about a song that I didn't spend very much time on, that song has also been feeding me for the last decade, so it's like, you kind of, you, I'm riding that wave, and also um, kind of looking at it, looking at the same song just from a different angle, I think, and I, and with so many songs, and, in um, a lot of different ways, we all, you know, one show, I might be like, I don't feel like singing this, but I also look at it through um, just a new light and a new energy based off of other people's energy. And, you know, I just look at it differently each time.
2: First time I met you was after my show. You were the first to say, Congratulations, you really did it for yourself, did it for yourself.
0: Based on the amount of albums you released, you strike me as someone who must just be writing her way through life. Do you know what I mean? Like, all the time. Um, is that the case, that you're just kind of constantly creating stuff, and that's why you have so much stuff to release?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I, I also feel like I go through a real dead period. Um, I think in reality, I, I I am probably writing more than I think. Um so much of the time, I will make a record, tour on that record, and then there will be like three months where I'm just kind of like um, lazy, um, not really knowing what to do with myself, and all it usually takes is me getting into the studio and that's uh, where like collaboration really comes in. Um, and kind of moving outside of my head. It really takes just these small nudges of just putting myself in an environment that's different. It's not just... If I isolate myself, which is usually what I do when I did tour a lot, there would just be a period of isolation where I would just kind of, like, spiral into the thinking of, like, oh, I'm not doing enough, um, which is... I mean, that, that is what it is, but... Um, I've just found so much more uh productivity if I'm just put if I am physically putting myself in creative environments and that just creates this inertia this momentum and once I get in that that creative momentum just kind of spirals outside of that studio or wherever I am, and I just continue it like and I just do little chunks here and there where I'm writing a song with this person or. Um, going home and spending five hours working on an intro for something. So I'm just trying to constantly create in as many ways as possible, as many ways, and that's really, really helped. Just just keep this movement of uh, progressing and moving forward, just not standing still.
0: How about the intro on <laughs> Smut? Um, that song made me smile so much when I put it on. <laughs>
1: I, first of all, I'm so glad you like it. I laugh so hard every, every time I hear it and every time we've played it before the show. Um, I got this voicemail that m- my girlfriend's roommate sent. And at the time, I was in the studio and I was recording with um, my friend and a collaborator of this record. And we were, like, in the middle of it. And I had just been uh, really experimenting with making my own samples and my own loops and songs. And she sent me this voicemail and it sounded like but I have a lot of family that's like deep in the heart of East Texas and it sounded just the accent sounded like Texas to me, like is this person from Texas. But coincidentally, my girlfriend's roommate is from like deep Virginia and so this person she didn't know who this person was, like no one knew who it was. And uh I I just asked her roommate if I was like, Can I please please handle this and she was like oh yeah by all means i have no idea who it is but it's yours (laughs) so we that day we we chopped it up (laughs) and used it and ended up using the the voicemail as a as a pivot point for the title of of the project are you still reading smut give me a call i got my cell phone i love you bye Oh it.
3: And now a message from our sponsor, TAMI app, the first LGBTQI dating and social networking app. TAMI stands for freedom, fights for equality, and embraces diversity. This year, TAMI invites you to think about some of these New Year's resolutions for 2020. Respect people's pronouns. Recognize and respect the achievements of queer people. Educate your friends and acquaintances about LGBT history. Continue spreading the message of love and equality. Advocate for the visibility, protection, and recognition of trans, non-binary, and gender-fluid people all around the world. Stand up for equality, respect diversity, and freedom of expression. Combat homophobia around the world. What are your queer resolutions for 2020? Let us know. Send us a message on the Tami app. You can download it for iOS or Android. Or visit Tami.com for more information. T-A-I-M-I I.com. HomoGround believes help should be accessible to everyone. Whether you're struggling with mental health issues, your identity, or you just need to talk to someone. We've teamed up with Pride Counseling to be able to offer free trials to their talk therapy services for HomoGround listeners. If this is something that would be useful to you, head over to HomoGround.com therapy to learn more about Pride Counseling and the services they offer. You can get matched with a licensed therapist in under 24 hours. homoground.com therapy. You've listened to this podcast long enough. Now, it's time to talk.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about the making of Smut and collaborating with um, your producer? Yeah, Kellen, and, is that his name?
1: yeah, I went into the whole reason I went into uh, to his studio was, um, I guess, a couple of years ago, I was working on a score and I had to record some clean vocals some edited vocals. And so I went into this guy's studio, whom I didn't know, but was a mutual friend and. Um he was like at the end of that session he was like, Hey, I'm actually looking for a for a top liner if you're you know, if you're in the area and you wanna swing by again, let's try it out and I just started, you know, dipping my toes into the top lining world and just um writing for other artists and it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And so I came in and at the time I was going through a <laughs> a really a uh, nightmarish breakup, and so every single time I would go into the studio, I would write, I would write these songs, and at the end of the those sessions, I would just be like, "These, these feel like mine." <laughs> so that's kind of how the first EP came about. It was like, "Hey, would you just be down?" Because we were trying to pitch these, and nothing was really coming of it, and nothing was worse than um songs that are good that just collect dust. I can't stand it. Like I just can't handle it. And and so we released this better one and two and then by the time Smut came around I was already like totally in a different headspace and um this song but, like being in the studio with Aaron almost every single day was very much the cathartic process that I needed. So it kind of propelled me into a uh, the most healthy healing process I've ever (laughs) ever gone through. And, uh, yeah, we just, we haven't stopped working together since. And, um, with Smut, it was kind of the same thing. And I really just kind of found my footing in a, in a different way. Like this new confidence of knowing that I can create something from something as simple and hysterical as a voicemail. um, and also, just found like a new partner. Like Aaron and I worked together so well, so well. And I liked the, I liked the duoness. I, I liked that there was only two people in the studio. Um, it just really kind of cleared the pathway for my own creative thoughts. Because um, you know, I, I really just at this point in time, I only wanted to listen to my my instincts and a lot of times if I get in the studio with more than two three people I can just be swayed a lot of different ways and uh I just wanted to listen to my own gut and Aaron's just like just quiet and works quickly and that's kind of the way (laughs) like I was just vibing with it he's just he's uh yeah he was he's a fucking champ. I really have really enjoyed working with him and yeah, found a a new partner in crime. So it's
0: been wonderful. I was talking to a friend of mine who also does a lot of writing for other artists. And I was trying to, I was trying to ask her about like how to not be so precious and attached to one's own ideas. And it's something that I've always struggled with just like conceptually because everything I write, it feels really private or personal in this way. And she told me that she had to be operating um, not out of a place of scarcity and that, like, you just use up your good ideas and, like, trust that more will come. Do you relate to that at all? Or I'm curious what your perspective on that kind of issue is.
1: I found that it's really hard for me to, to divide those two worlds. And I I agree with her, but at the same time, I, I, like, I think that there has to be a trust. I mean, a writer, um, any writer is... Whether you go through like a you know a drought of of uh, just a period of time where you're like Ugh, nothing's coming, like I also just think you know in in line of what your friend is saying, like there's a there's a work ethic that comes along with this. So as long as like you're as you're consistently um, on a daily like making yourself work, creating a schedule for yourself in whatever form that looks like. You know, everyone's schedule could be different. But I think as long as there's effort put into it, that, you know, in love with what your friend says, like, you you can't really stop the scarcity of it. Like, you, it, will, it will come. But on the other hand, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm still, I'm very much figuring the line between those two. Truly, like, I, I'm trying to figure those those
0: two worlds out. I was asking because I thought it was interesting that you had maybe written some of your, your new music for other people and then realized you <laughs> needed to keep it.
1: Well, that's a, um, that's very much a young child. Like, I'm, I'm like the baby of the family. I'm like, it's mine. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I also, you know, I like a paycheck. So if someone were to come along and be like, okay, hey, can I have this? Uh, you know. I'm probably like, yeah, yeah, for sure, take it, <laughs> you know, just depending, but man, it is a beast of a world. The operations in which go into the top lining and the um, the team of, you know, basketball team of producers on one pop song is just like, holy shit, like it's insane. And it's a totally different ballgame. It's really
0: fascinating how does New York fit into your creative life and making stuff here? And a lot of my friends left and they all went really? to LA and are working there, but I'm staying here. So I'm curious what you think about being a creative person. in oh in this I business. I
1: mean, I, I will say that, um, you know, having visited New York for so many years and living it, um, and now living there, I, I have, I mean, I guess I should say that I, I've been in Texas so long and it's been, all good to me and it's still such a um you know, a big chunk of my backbone, my support system. But I just needed a good swift kick in the ass. Like I was just too snoozy, too comfy. Um, in a lot of different ways. So in a lot of ways like Texas felt like scorched earth, not on a career level but on a personal level. It's just ready for something new and and the time that I moved it was everything was about starting over. And New York um, just kind of provided a a momentum that really resonated with me because that's how I felt like I was moving, just like at a pace that was never really sleeping, always just churning and kind of churning on a wobble wheel, just kind of like, hope the plane lands. And that's just kind of how New York is. For me, it's just like it's fascinating that it does work at times. There's it's chaos, but it it's at the heart of it it's just like sink or swim, like you really have to have a certain mentality and I'm more interested in that mentality in my life. And granted, I've lived there for four months now and I know that my actual ass kicking is, is coming. And there will be several moments where I can't bear to look at a trash heap anymore, and and that moment will come. But for now, um, it's really opened itself to me, and the people that I've met, and the the overall energy that has just <laughs> like just welcomed me. I've really, really, really just loved it so far. Um, so nothing insane to report yet, but, you know, check back in, like, another year, and I'll probably be like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I might be in L.A. Let's get-
0: I feel like everyone is um, being forced to be like extremely um, reflective as we are um, Mm -hmm. moving toward the new decade. Are you uh, revisiting (laughs) your last ten years, or are you um, just moving straight straight ahead? ahead, Shall we? You have more resources available to you now in terms of like production and ideas and things you play and ways to articulate um, your vision. Uh, Do you feel like you're constantly seeking more? Ways to express yourself or like learn new things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I yeah. In short, uh, a short answer is absolutely. I think that I've uh, as someone who um, in my personal life can often uh, I'm just you know extremely anxious and um, present, but usually my head is uh, you know five thousand steps into the future and wondering and worrying what's going to happen when this, like a full of hypotheticals. My head is usually just slightly hovering above the situation, but I um, found that focusing on uh, how to like logically make myself a better musician is just to exactly what you said, try new things. And a lot of, A lot of what I do when I'm not in a studio is I might be at a rehearsal studio, like playing drums for five hours. And the goal is not to become like, you know, the best drummer. The goal is to just um, think about music differently. And specifically, um, you know, I set out two years ago, I want to be able to play what I'm asking someone else to play. So if I'm in a studio, Producing somebody's record, and there's someone you know on the drums, that I'm like trying to explain uh to that person what I want to hear, what my ear wants to hear, having not come from a musical you know theory background, I just want to be able to sit behind a kit and play what I'm asking that person to play, not great, but play it um, and so I started playing drums, I started playing bass and that I think just naturally, organically started changing the way that I write and the way that I think about music, and my overall like productivity level. And it's just part of like the the momentum, the wheel that I don't want to stop. I don't want it to stop turning. So I just try to keep keep at those things, and they always <laughs> they've always paid off. It's been an extremely rewarding process to just to say, well, fuck it. Like, let's try this and try this. And it always turns out for the best. It's something that I've really found another voice through.
0: Are you playing in New York anytime soon? I know I missed the show I actually might be fall. playing in
1: January. I think that's in the works right now.
0: Not for sure. And,
1: yeah, so don't, don't quote me on that. But, yeah, maybe in January.
0: Thank you so much for the phone call. Thank you. You don't shock me
2: But you surprised me Reality TV There's not much going on Same words, same song Just like everyone else but it feels important to see you cuz you're important to me
0: important
2: to me yeah. You got me surrounded. Yeah. Emergency. I feel it calm. to me, me.
3: Thanks for listening to another episode of Homoground. This episode was made possible by our sponsor, Tami, an LGBTQI plus dating and social networking app. Check it out at Tami.com and find Homoground's profile and we'll send you some Homoground stickers. Shout out to Willa for finding us and sending a message. We're glad you're enjoying the podcast and the app. This episode was also made possible by our Patreon supporters, Shoutouts to Michael Bacon, Ashley Amon, Chris Lane, Willard Joyce, Brian Shields, Dee, Adriana Martinez, Corey, Lucenti, Queer Public, Kimberly Baglieri, Joseph Martin, Fernanda Delgado, Lucy, Thomas Kula, Bailey Watkins, and David Aduci. You can join our Patreon community at slash Patreon. We've got some new merch in the works, and you don't want to miss out. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. We would love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast device you're listening to us on. And if technology isn't your forte, just a simple word of mouth to someone you know who might appreciate us. You can follow us on all the social media sites for the latest updates. This interview with Sarah Jaffe was conducted and produced by Maya McDonald. You can check out more of Maya's work at mayamcdonald.com. That's M-A-I-A-M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.com. I'm Scantron, aka Riz, Lynn, or Casper, the founder and executive producer of Homoground. See you next time, homoground.com.